This is Talking Comic Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. A weekly podcast covering the comic conventions, con culture, and entertainment news of the week. Every Sunday, Leonard Sultana, along with co-host Alyssa Franks from the Friends of CC Forum, look back at the last seven days in con news as well as looking forward to the huge summer event that is San Diego Comic Con. This is Season 3, Episode 45, broadcast live on Sunday the 26th of June. And in this episode, we are joined by the event director of one of the other massive conventions on the planet, New York Comic Con, to be held in October 2016. Mike Armstrong joins us, along with Mike Leventhal from the Friends of CC Forum, to talk about the changes to this year's badge-buying process, what Reed Popper planning to introduce this summer, and the challenges of putting on such an epic convention. Talking Comic-Con is supported this season by Dark Bunny Tees, purveyors of quality movie and TV-themed merchandise. Head to darkbunnytees.com to find your next big favourite addition to your nerd wardrobe. Welcome to Talking Comic Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. My name is Leonard Sultana, and this is our weekly show where we talk con culture, pop culture, and all the stuff and nonsense that goes around your favourite events, wherever you end up going, to uh, San Diego Comic Con, to WonderCon, to New York Comic Con, which is what we are going to be talking primarily about today. If you do want to jump in on today's show, it is absolutely a roundtable event, which means it's all about you. And your questions, if you do want to jump into the Google Plus event, ask your questions, go to the Q&A button and uh, get your questions in. We would love to hear what you want to talk about today. Um, we've got some great guests, so let's just get straight into it. We have ourselves, my regular partner in crime, Melissa Franks from the Friends of CC Forum. Hello, Melissa. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Uh, T-shirts and hoodies have and lanyards have gone out. That took up about two or three full days of unwrapping and packaging and post-officing and and it's all done. <laughs> that, that, that is an actual verb, by the way, post-officing, just to let you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I mean, it's, it, I know that it's kind of putting the jigsaw together at this point. It's, I know it's, I know exactly what you mean. It's all kind of slowly coming together. So excellent to hear that it's all uh, working on that regard. We'll come back and we'll talk about the forum uh, towards the end of the show. We'll do a bit of a recap on that. Uh, we also have from the forum, uh, Mr. Michael Leventhal. Hello, Michael. How are you, sir? I'm good. Good morning. Good afternoon, wherever you are. Um, it's a Vesa time somewhere. Yeah, it is. It's a good Sunday. We're heading up to you know a lot of shows, a lot of summer shows, and uh, you know looking forward to some of the fall shows as well. Excellent. Well, um, I know that I'm looking forward to uh, some big shows. Um, I'm still Still trying to work out if I can get the money together, please, that I could actually attend one of, well, it is, one of the biggest shows on the planet. And we are so glad that we have got one of the guys uh, who's organizing that uh, joining us today. We have Sir Mike Armstrong from Repop. How are you doing, Mike? I'm pretty great. How are you guys? Not too bad at all. Um, first of all, I suppose just in case there's anybody out there, because I... I know we've seen a little inside baseball here on this show. We kind of know who we're talking to. But just in case, introduce yourself and uh, let everyone know who you are and what you do. Sure. So I'm the event director for uh, one of the event directors at Read Pop. 
uh, I handle New York Comic Con, C232, and Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle. So uh, I'm going to throw a special edition back in there as soon as I'm confident that it's going to happen again. Uh, but uh, for right now, those are the three. Um, I know that uh, I mean, if you have been following uh, New York Comic Con on Twitter, you will have seen Mike's face because uh, he's been doing an absolutely stunning job on answering questions about certainly the fan verification process. And I've really been enjoying those uh, videos. The one thing I've really been impressed is just the amount of communication that you've been putting out to fans. Was that a, a very conscious decision this time around? Because it seems that you've definitely ramped it up this year. Yeah, very much so. I mean, New York Comic Con still feels like a local show to a lot of people, so for something like this to have to happen, just because of sheer demand, uh, it knew, we knew it was going to require a lot of extra communication. So, um, you know, it's a brand new process for everybody. A lot of people who attend New York Comic Con might not even be used to the fact that San Diego does something very similar. Uh, so we recognize that we really need to get the message out there, and um, it was all timed very specifically, and it is all timed very specifically, so that we give people enough to find the next step. Because there are, as you guys being in the know are aware, there's there's many steps to this. Well, let's talk about that then. I mean, the changes that have been introduced uh, to the process this year. Um, when were those kind of decisions kind of talked about? Was it uh, off the back of last year, or was it pretty much the moment the con finished? Uh, we were we were actually been talking about this since before last year's convention. So um, when we recognized um, after we put tickets on sale in 2015 and just saw the amount of uh, you know secondhand market ticket sales, um, we knew that we needed to do something. And just the the demand it just it, it outweighs supply, and that's as simple as that. So we wanted to make sure that we could do everything possible to get people the opportunity to get tickets that they want at face value rather than having to go pay exorbitant amount of money on eBay or StubHub or whatever. So we saw this, and we started talking about this probably in August of last year, and we've been working really closely with ShowClicks, who does our ticketing, to put something in place. Um, so it's been uh, it's been more than a year, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do know that uh, San Diego is having a very similar issue at the moment as well, because they just had their uh, badges start rolling out to attendees, and they're already starting to see um, badges oh going out on Craigslist for some ridiculous numbers. And I do know that it was the scalpers that you were definitely targeting with this process, wasn't it? Yeah, um, and it's never going to go away. Uh, no matter what we do, it's never going to go away. Even if San Diego had kept their, their old process, like it was still there. There's a market for it. Um, and when you've got something that people really want, black markets develop for it. So we know that even what with what we're doing now, there's still going to be some tickets that leak out on eBay. It's just the... Just, the way the world works. So what we're doing is we're really, for the initial on sale, we're really focused on getting people who want a four-day ticket, we want them to get a four-day ticket. And the way that we do that is just make it harder for scalpers to get in there and get tickets on on sale. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens in the next few weeks when tickets do go on sale. Um, you know, I think that's broad enough that I can say that. Um, but we're really excited to, to see how it works. And, um, and I, we've been working really hard with show clicks. We have daily meetings on this, it seems like, so um, we're really focused on making sure this works for everybody. With this process that you've introduced with uh, the RFID badges and the on sale, uh, the online sale, was the process of selling badges direct to customers in the store, was it just a logistics thing that you just couldn't integrate the two? I mean, I know that when I've spoken to a lot of fans, that is something that they've kind of, uh, were, they were missing, that they weren't able to do the, the lining up 
this year to go and buy their badges or their tickets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Midtown's been a fantastic partner, and um, we've been doing that with them for uh, that was like, ten years, um, and they've been fantastic. And last year, their team plus our team put a ton of work into it, and it really. Uh, you guys actually commented uh, after you and I had one of these chats after that that it went very well and all the feedback was great. Um, I, I think with the the process that we're moving to, um, we require just a little bit more information from people. And I think if you went through the fan verification process, you recognize that that information request wasn't intrusive in any way. It's the same amount of questions and the same exact questions that we asked during uh, when you buy your tickets. But the problem was that people were trying to get through the ticket process and the ticket purchase process so quick that we weren't getting accurate information from anybody. So uh, people that I knew were saying they were 60-year-old men, and I know that's a 23-year-old dude. So um, people are just clicking whatever they can as quick as possible to get through the process. So by moving that process up to the first thing that they need to do, we've already found that we've gotten more accurate information from people, and that information is really going to help us program the show. So we're going to be able to tell, hey, how many people are coming to the, sh- or coming to the show or want to come to the show are looking for anime content? I don't know that we had a firm grasp on that before. How many people are looking for comics? How many people are looking for celebrity guests? So this is really going to help us program the show, and the fact is that we needed to get this information from everybody. So um, unfortunately, that precluded us from doing anything with Midtown. We're still going to do stuff with Midtown. It's just not going to be ticket on sale, Um, but they're working with us on our Star Trek event, and they're working with us hopefully when Special Edition comes back. Um, So they're still a great partner. It's just, you know, logistically-wise, we need to get everything going through one central system, and that was with the on-sale being online. Hey, that was an interesting part of that form, because, yes, I have filled out my fan verification, and um, it was I, I, I noticed that it was uh, a lot of data mining about how to program the show. Uh, what, what else, uh, in terms of communication with fans, did you do to kind of organize that form and get everything in place? Uh, I mean, did you coordinate with any fans and kind of get the, a decent amount of feedback before launching the fan verification. Yeah, we, <coughs> excuse me, um, we didn't want, uh, we had some fans that we certainly trusted and we got it out to them. I don't mean to say that you guys who didn't see it, I, we don't trust you, uh, but we, we gave it to some people who work with us on other events and they got a look at it. Um, we went to some partners uh, like our PR agency, some media partners, and just kind of got their feedback on it. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, that's what it turned out to be. Um, in terms of communication, you know, we worked with those same media partners, and we worked with our PR agencies and um, our, our networks of uh, friends in this industry to really push the the fact that it needed to happen out there. We gave three weeks. You know, it's not a ton of time. We thought that that's uh, enough, and that's what we could do, given, given our timelines. We gave people three weeks to fill it out. Um, a lot of it happened right away. We, we didn't crash, uh, which I'm very proud of, um, on uh, when we launched Fan Verification. Um, but we did get uh, tens of thousands of people within the first couple hours. So, um, you know, the, the demand is still there, and it's nice for us to get a true number on that demand. Excellent. Uh, what has been the response, um, well, pros and cons? Have you uh, kind of uh, heard any responses that uh, you'd like to share? Um, has it been positive pretty much across the board, or have there been one or two niggles? I, th- I think it's largely been positive, and I think the people who... Um, who New York Comic Con really means? Uh, there's a lot of people who this the show really means a lot to people, and my staff included. But um, to to fans, and I think Alyssa and Mike will say the same thing. I think when they saw this come out and they understood our reasoning for it, I think they said, okay, they they want they want me to get a ticket, and they don't want me to have to spend four hundred dollars for it on eBay. So I think the people who really understand the dynamic of the event, I think they 
understood what we were trying to do. Um, you know, the unfortunate thing is that there are people who might be new to the show, or there are people that might be new to conventions in general, who, you know, didn't realize that this was going on until the day after it ended, and that, you know, that sucks. And we've gotten a fair number of emails from people who, you know, if I had known about this, I would have done it. Unfortunately, it just, you know, that's how it goes. And uh, uh, it's unfortunate that there are people who want to come to the show, can't. But I think when we look at the numbers of people who actually went through the process, um, I think there's a lot of people who really do want to come to the show. Yeah, I was just curious, and if there's no answer, that's okay. Um, do you know if, in terms of how many people signed up versus number of tickets, you know, available? Oh, yeah. Um, more people signed up than we have tickets for. So even if you signed up for a fan verification profile, it doesn't mean that you're going to get the ticket or the ticket that you want. So that's, you know, it's still a big supply and demand issue, but... Um, I feel like we did a really good job of weeding out the people who are in it for nefarious reasons. Um, and the processes that we put in place, you know, a guy who wants to sell these tickets in Texas uh, can't buy ten. He can buy one. Um, and if he's going to buy that one, he's going to sell it. There's not a whole lot that we can do about it. Um, but if he, instead of having him buy the one, he could have bought ten in the past. So um, <laughs> we're, we're keeping a, vo- a large volume of tickets out of uh, resellers' hands. How many of those have been weeded out, by the way? Have you kind of done a a good job on kind of getting a, a database together of those notable offenders? Yeah, we've we've got our blacklist from last year, um, and uh, that certainly helped. But when we went through the fan verification, uh, all of the submissions, you know, it's pretty easy to figure out who's who's doing what there. Um, and we canceled uh, four figures worth of people who we determined were. Uh, not in it for the right reasons. So we uh, that process took place last week and the week before of us going through that list um, and working really closely with show clicks, and we got rid of a couple thousand people who uh, we you know who we thought were reselling. And the fact is that in previous years, the way things used to be structured, those couple thousand of people could all have bought ten tickets each. So that's you know that's forty thousand tickets or whatever it is out out. And, you know, those are going on to the resale market. So even if they got one profile in, they're going to be able to resell one ticket. Um, but like in years past, they can't buy ten tickets. So that's something we're really proud of. Would you say that's one of the benefits of being not a, a non-profit, an actual um, profit organization, that you've got the, this, these resources to hand to do this kind of organization? Um, well, I'm not going to... But I'm not going to say that um, we've got more resources or less resources. Um, San Diego is a huge organization, and they do a fantastic job. Um, so I think our resources are probably on par. Um, but a lot of this is is grunt work. I mean, this is me going through a uh, an Excel spreadsheet. This is four people on our staff going through an Excel spreadsheet. So it's a matter of time resources. It's not like we're doing anything crazy with tech. Um, but it's something that the team was really passionate about this year, and they wanted to make sure that tickets stayed off of the resale market. So this was kind of our, our, our big thing and our big focus for the year. It, it took a week of our time, and I feel like the time was, was well worth it. But we don't have, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't say we have more resources than anybody. Uh, any questions, Alyssa, from the uh, forum? Because we have been uh, letting people know that uh, we're going to be doing this Hangout. So uh, any questions from the forum, Alyssa? Um, there, there are, but I had a, a question. Uh, back to the not selling tickets at retail outlets this year, can I assume that that block of tickets that normally would have gone to the retail stores are now going to be sold online, so you'll have even more tickets to be sold online? 
And yes. do you want to talk numbers? <laughs> no, I won't. I won't talk specifics. But that was okay. Um, I think Midtown was over. It was definitely over nine thousand tickets that were sold at Midtown. So those are now back in the online block. But I won't get too specific. I was wondering if the the amount of lines, you know, the blocks and blocks of lines that you had uh, people camping out for the tickets at Midtown did. I assume that that played a, a factor in deciding not to sell at Midtown this year. Well, there's, um, you know, I think the, the the overall process that we moved to was the was one of the main dictating factors. Uh, mm-hmm. Was the main dictating factor, but there's differing opinions in the office about whether or not that's an, a good experience for people. And I, last year, we we certainly changed it so that there wasn't a ton of uh, time between the announcements, so people were spending less time. Uh, outside than I think they uh, had in the past, but um, the people who were largely getting there early when they had enough time to plan, getting there early and coming out in numbers were resellers. So Midtown was actually really good about recognizing who the resellers were and pulling them out of line. Um, but I, you know, I'm not convinced that spending a day and a half outside uh, is a great experience. People were able to get what they wanted, um, but uh, I, I think with the process we put in place. It's going to be more equitable across the board. Mm-hmm. We have had someone on the Q and A just ask the direct question: uh, When are they going on sale? Uh, <laughs> uh, they're going on sale. <laughs> Mentioned kind of two weeks. Uh, I'm not getting specific. I, I I threw out weeks in a broad fashion so that I didn't have to commit to anything. But uh, I know when they're going on sale, and uh, I'm not saying. Sorry. Is can you give us an idea about what time of the week are you guys thinking about moving to a weekend or a midweek sale or just so that we can do a little bit of pre-planning at work? I know. <laughs> Is I, know. I wish I could give more. We, we've you know the office. Okay. We've decided that we're we're tight-lipped on this. Um, and sure. Uh, yeah, you'll 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 find out. They are going on sale. I can confirm that. Okay. <laughs> we we understood that. Can you confirm at least one thing for me, though? Can you at I'll least try. say, hold on, hold on, hear me out. You say a few weeks, but a few weeks is also Star Wars Celebration and San Diego Comic-Con. Can we at least confirm that you're not going to sell it those two weekends? Um, I won't confirm that, but uh, I would encourage people to be realistic with uh, our staff. So. Okay. All right. <laughs> They're going to be busy on Star Wars Celebration Weekend. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, don't forget, don't forget, we have UFC Fan Expo in there too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that makes a lot of sense, Mike, and, and thanks for pointing that out for us. Um, can I broach the subject of VIP passes? Yes, you may. Okay. Just, I mean, I know we're talking numbers, and I, you know, and I don't want to 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 put you off or anything. Um, I've got a, a question from Debster on the forum asking why you got rid of them. They really made it, the event different from San Diego. I know that they said it was because they were too hard to accommodate the passes, but the people who had them were pleased with them. Yeah, no, and, and they were. And the, the feedback over the years on VIP has largely been really positive. Um, mm-hmm. I think we saw, especially last year, um, it's the old, it's the 80-20 rule, you know, 20% of your customers take 80% of your, your time and energy. And in this case, um, we just felt like there was a, 
too much of my staff's time was focused on how do we accommodate the VIPs rather than how do we accommodate the 167,000 other people that are going to the event. So um, it's a loss of revenue for us, frankly. You know, when we told our accounting team that we were going to do this, they weren't happy. Um, but we felt we, we felt like there were certain things that um, VIPs got that um, not necessarily detracted from the event, but kind of accommodated a little too much either space, um, uh, time, or just kind of mind uh, mind space. Um, so it was it was a hard decision. We uh, you know we're certainly grateful to the VIPs who supported us over the years, largely some of our most most loyal fans. Um, we wanted to make efforts and make strides to be able to provide a, a, a more of an experience to everybody. And I'm not saying that everyone's going to get everyone's not a VIP, um, but, you know, there are, there are, there are things that we can now do for everybody that, um, we were unable to do before as a result of, uh, of what we had offered and what we needed to do for VIP. So it's really a hard decision. I'm sure there's many people out there who disagree with it. Um, but at the end of the day, I think from an experience standpoint and thinking about the show, from the perspective of we have 168,000 fans that we need to please, we feel like it's going to be uh, easier for us to, pl- to please the 168,000 people as opposed to the divide that we had before. I would encourage you to consider, and this is purely from a personal standpoint, uh, the lounge <laughs> as an add-on, <laughs> maybe a sticky, yeah. you know, just like, you know, just 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 to have a place to, to hang out because the couches were wonderful. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. The the Javits Center, and excuse me for the profanity, but we're trying to jam twenty pounds of shit into a, in a bag that can hold five. So um, space is certainly at a premium at Javits Center, which is why I think you'll start to see us make some pretty significant strides of moving things outside of the building and around the city, uh, like we did last year with Hammerstein. We're doing that again. Uh, we've taken a new space down the street called Hudson Mercantile. Uh, which is one block away, which we'll be able to have some programming and things there. Um, So we're doing our best to uh, maintain the same number of of tickets, maybe a little bit more, but at least spread things out a little bit so everyone is not crammed inside Javits. Um, And I hope to be able to announce a few more venues uh, over the next couple of weeks. But um, it's a hard building. I I mean, they're they're fantastic, and they they do what they can. um, But in terms of sheer space, it's it's hard for us to, to kind of handle the demand. Um, over the last couple of years, you have been introducing that uh, New York Comic Week, the, the, the kind of like with more and more venues. Is that definitely something that you wanted to expand this year? That uh, I mean, are we are we talking a lot more venues, or are we just talking a couple more for 2016? So there's a couple of different things. Like we had something that we called New York Super Week, um, which was the week leading. In, no, no, you're fine the week leading into New York Comic Con and of New York Comic Con, um, where there was stuff going on in Brooklyn, there was stuff going on in Times Square, live podcast, comedy, um, speed dating, you know, that kind of stuff. And I think we were a little too ambitious. Um, We had about 150 events around the city um, last year and managed mostly by one person. And um, that's quite an undertaking. And I don't think that a lot of the events really resonated. So what we're doing, and we've announced this kind of in a, in a small fashion with more information to come, is that we're now, we're kind of rebranding New York Superweek Presents. So NYCC Presents is going to give us a little bit more flexibility in doing things in different venues. 
different days, different times of day, um, and uh, largely separately ticketed. So if there's something that we can't necessarily afford to bring into New York Comic Con, we can now put it at night at Hammerstein and do a separately ticketed event for it. So um, I, I think we won't be as ambitious in number of events, but I think that you'll see the quality of event and the quality of a venue um, start to start to really accelerate. Is that all going to be focused on the the week of New York Comic Con as well? Because you were kind of expanding beyond that week and really making it a kind of almost like a, a, a festival uh, fortnight, as it were, here in the yeah. UK. It's going to be a little bit more focused for that. New it's York going to be Con. it's going to be a little bit more condensed and. I think um, if you saw how things looked when we did New York Super for the first time in 2014 versus 2015, 2014 was the a year that we had 150 events all around the city starting seven days before New York Comic Con. Last year, we, we dialed it back a little bit, still had a really good number of events, but we started on Tuesday or we started on Monday. We weren't starting the Friday before. Um, this year, I think you'll start to see that that condense a little bit more. I think you might see the first event maybe Wednesday um, and going through Saturday. Um, I think that we're asking a lot of people, um, you know, they've already got, um, you know, financially and just time-wise, we're asking a lot of people who are going to go to New York Comic Con to say, hey, check out this great event the Friday before. Um, I think we need to be realistic about what people can can do. Um, so I think having stuff, you know, Wednesday through Saturday um, you know, even if it's a small separate ticket, um, I think people will be into it depending on the content. And I'm really excited about some of the content that's being talked about. If people are coming in from out of town, they're not gonna buy, they're not gonna do anything for New York Super Week the week before. So y- your market, you know, your your market falls off quite a bit if you don't fall within that Wednesday to Sunday time frame. Just to follow up on the VIP tickets, um, do you think that the, some of the other venues, um, your other uh, events might trend towards no VIP tickets too, like ECC or C2E2? Uh, I think it depends on the events. I think for our events that have a little bit more space and flexibility in terms of venue, I think you'll see VIP stay, um, but as our events continue to get um, a little bit more venue bound, that's when I, I think you might see them start to go. Uh, we are taking questions on the Q&A. Thank you very much indeed for getting those in. Question coming from Samantha Beard. Uh, this is, I think, is a bit more a general question uh, for Mike. Uh, what's the most difficult thing of organizing a huge event in the middle of Manhattan? Oh, I think, um, you know, we, we've had uh, things that challenge us change year to year, and uh, Leonard, I actually sent you pictures um, that you haven't posted yet, but um, I sent you a picture from one of our first uh, New York Comic Cons, the first one I worked on, which was back in 2010, and our challenge in 2010 is far different than the challenges that we have now. I think now it's just a matter of moving people and, and, um, and making sure that people can see things that they want to see. Like, think about, think about New York Comic Con in terms of the number of experiences that you can have, and... Um, if you're spending 45 minutes in line for a panel, that's 45 minutes that you can't get back. You know, you're going to get your payoff when you go to the panel, but what if you can be doing other things in that 45 minutes? Like, my challenge now and the thing that we think about um, at Repop is how do I get people to experience more things at the event? Because as they experience more things, their satisfaction goes up. Um, so I want to make sure that people, you know, if there are ways that we can use technology to keep people out of line, um, if there are ways that we can provide more content. So we're going to have a more full schedule at Hammerstein. Hudson Mercantile is a new, a new venue. We'll have more 
variety of content, which means that um, we're pulling stuff out of Javits to go into other places. That So that means we can backfill stuff at Javits. So providing people more options and giving people more opportunity to see things is really what we're focused on. And that's our biggest challenge. You know, five years ago, I would have said our biggest challenge is um, just getting people through the front doors and getting people through the will call lines fast enough. But now we don't have will call lines. So, um, you know, things have, have certainly changed. And, uh, you know, it's been a fun ride. But it's it's hard to, to think after, you know, to to kind of see the future and to know going into a year, like, what's what's the big challenge going to be this year? Because we're still working off perceptions that we had from the previous year. So continually trying to anticipate is is one of our big challenges. The one thing I've been really impressed with uh, New York Comic Con this year is the amount of lead-up time that you've uh, done to the event, uh, announcing a lot of your uh, artists and the uh, certainly the comic talent uh, very early, which is uh, great for allowing people to plan their, their convention uh, season throughout the, the summer. Um, what's the um, the lead up time in terms of the stuff that you're organising for October? I mean, is it all the way up to the the, the deadline, or are things starting to settle into place pretty much now? Yeah, things are starting to settle in. And I came back from uh, I was in LA this week, just meeting with talent agents and um, you know uh, celebrity agents. Um, and our studio team was out there the week before working with the studios to see what kind of properties are, uh, you know, work for the timing of New York Comic Con. So things are starting starting to get into place. Artist Alley submissions are done. We've selected the people who are going to be into Artist Alley, and we'll start rolling out names soon. We wanted to make sure that we uh, locked in a few of our big-name guests um, early so that we could have those up before fan verification closed because, you know, we have Jack Leeson from Game of Thrones. If somebody, uh, you know, just stumbled onto us because they're a big Game of Thrones fan, we wanted to give them the opportunity to get a ticket. So it's all part of the timeline we've been putting in place for the last uh, nine months or a year is making sure that um, we can get info out early so that we can convince people to go through the fan verification process, and it seems to have paid off. Questions, Alyssa and uh, Michael? Mike? Yeah, I have a few, actually. I mean, speak <laughs> since you brought up fan verification... I mean, is there more, you know, you've shared a lot of information with us already through the videos, but I was just wondering, I mean, I had a few questions, but I also was wondering if there's other stuff you wanted to share with us regarding, you know, like setting up the tickets. I know you could buy up to four tickets, but then there's been questions about how to, like, specifically at the sale, how you buy the four tickets or, you know, when you get those names in and other stuff. Yeah, there's a really detailed document that's coming out um, pretty soon that will detail further. But essentially, what you're doing is when tickets go on sale, you're clicking a link that's unique to you. You'll go in there, you'll buy your tickets via that link, and then you've got a period of time to assign people who have gone through the fan verification process to the tickets that you bought. Um, and it's you know that's as as much as I'll say right now because I don't want to give misinformation. The detailed document is, is you know, gospel right now. Um, so when that detailed document comes out, I think you'll start to see. When um, when you say you'll have time to assign names to that, are you talking minutes or uh, days? Uh, many days. You'll have many days. Yeah, because I, I know one of my friends has a big group, and their big question is, you know, in terms of, you know, let's say, you know, some people get through and then buy, and then how do they know who's bought for who, or you, right. you know, that those kinds of logistical questions as far as. I mean, the on sale is so harried, and people are going crazy, and 
they're trying to get in there, and if people are trying to buy for other people and other people are trying to buy at the same time, like you're not communicating about who got what and who's on what order. So we want to give people enough time uh, to really think through who they're assigning to what ticket. Like I think the thing that's most confusing for people is that if you buy a three-day ticket, you can't then assign a Friday, a Saturday, or a Sunday ticket to that person as well. So if you buy, if someone's assigned to a four-day ticket, you can't assign any single-day tickets to that person. But if you buy, if if somebody buys a Friday ticket, they can also be assigned to a Saturday, and they can also be assigned to a Sunday, and they can also be assigned to a Thursday. Um, but we don't. The the reason why fan verification fan verification is so crucial is we don't want people with tickets on the same day. So um, you know, it's we're gonna see how uh, people respond to this and and how. Uh, we don't think it's confusing, but we're so close to it, so we're like, oh, people are going to understand this, no problem. Um, but um, we're giving a, a good stretch of time for people to do this, and we've brought on additional staff to help answer questions because we know that there are going to be a ton of questions uh, when people are, are going through the process. Follow-up question to that. If, um, if I were to buy, say, three tickets and I didn't assign a name to one of those tickets um, by the end of that, that time period, what would happen to that ticket that had no name assigned to it? Would it get refunded? It'll be canceled and refunded. Okay. No, I, I just, I also have had, you know, questions, people asking me, like, oh, I have a group of six, how do I, you know, ensure that everyone in our group, you know, like, if, if my link gets through after someone's bought from me, so that, that's where that's kind of, some of my questions have been coming from. Yeah. So if, if your link gets through, do you have to buy a ticket for yourself, I think is what you're asking, Mike? Mike? Yeah. That's kind it's, of, yeah. Um. That's a really good question, and um, I'm not going to answer that because I don't know the answer. Sure. I, I would imagine it's. I would imagine it's no, but don't quote me on that. All right. Comment coming from uh, Samantha Beard. I've been to a few cons where I felt the VIP ticketing distracted from the atmosphere and the feeling of community at the event. I totally understand the desire to remove those passes. I can imagine it very much was a case of that whole idea of leveling the playing field for everybody uh, when you uh, made that decision. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to speak to how people handle themselves when they're VIPs, but um, it's a you know it's a space thing. It's a matter of you know we have separate queues for VIPs. If we didn't have those queues, what could we be doing with that instead? Um, you know, there's there's you know there's people who are cranky either way. Uh, VIP or no VIP, so um, you know what it's you know it's really a kind of a space and an effort thing, I'd say. You're not one of the cranky ones, Alyssa. You're all right. No, no, I'm not a cranky one. <laughs> no, <I'm> just. <laughs> but but if Alyssa's not the cranky one, then am I the cranky one? I I, I didn't say anything. My son was at um, a festival, a music festival in Germany this past weekend, and uh, coming out of there was a, a bit of a weather issue. And but coming out of it, the one thing that everybody had, did say is that everybody was pleasant; they were friendly. And I think that whenever you get an, uh, a group of people together who are there for a particular reason, like a convention or a music thing, with that shared interest, people are generally nice. Yeah, they're they're nice until they get something, uh, they, they aren't able to do something um, right. that they think they should be able to. And that's what we try to avoid. And I'm not talking specifically the VIP program here, but like 
I want people to be able to get to go to like six panels. If they want to go to six panels, the second that they can't get into that sixth panel, that's when they start to get uh, uncomfortable and unhappy with the experience. So um, we want to do everything that we can do to keep people happy this whole time. Right. I, I mean, I think we've covered most of the bases. I think the one question I certainly wanted to uh, wrap up on is about the, the changes from last year and what you actually learned from uh, 2015. Was there anything that you picked up from last year's um, NYCC that you're looking forward to bringing forward to uh, 2016? Yeah, um, you know, I think one thing we're really focused on, and I've been talking about this a lot, is the the number of experiences people can have. And um, we're going to use technology uh, a little bit more than we have in the past. If it's our mobile app or if it's push notifications or if it's text messages, um, we want to um, we want to help facilitate people to have those experiences. So if there's an anime panel going on at one end of the hall that we think that they really like, um, that we know has a few seats in it, then we're going to tell people like, hey, God, if you we know you like anime, go go check out this anime panel. And that's the kind of stuff so that everybody is going to be there on their phone now. Everybody's there on their you phone already. This? I can't go okay. anywhere anymore without people being on their phone constantly, and I'm not saying I'm not a part of that problem, but um, okay. I, I think... I, I've railed against that over the last couple of weeks where uh, I've just been... One of my con tips has been saying for half an hour to an hour at your convention, put your phone away and just experience <laughs> the convention, at which point I've had pretty much every single person saying, <laughs> yeah, right. Whatever. Uh, so <laughs> I, you know, the thing that really gets me is concerts, and I, I'm a big music guy, and I don't get to many as many concerts as I used to. But I went to go see uh, this band called American Nightmare on a reunion tour like three or four years ago, and I'm standing in front of ten people who just have their phones up, just recording it. I'm like, can't anybody just experience anything anymore? Like, I don't know. It's frustrating. Everybody needs to be able to post and needs to be able to share. Uh, all the cool things that they're doing, but I just, you know, I miss the days of uh, just, know, just enjoying I, things. There, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the, uh, any of the uh, uh, panel rooms at New York Comic Con, put your phones down. That's what you've been told by... Uh... <laughs> I can tell you, though, last year, it was either Saturday or Sunday, I, 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 I did a very good job at New York Comic Con of going dark for, like, I don't know, four, five, six hours. I remember Alyssa was like, yeah, you went off the grid for a while. Because I was oh, just, that, I was because, tired of it. I, I just is that because there's no away. cell service? Huh? <laughs> was that because there's no cell service? No, that was because I got, I just wanted, like, my con. And I just put my phone away, and I was, I went dark for, like, six hours. It was, it was the greatest time. I have a problem after show that I get the, uh, you're the walkie-talkie. Uh, that we use the we have we use the same walkie talkies for every show and like three days after the show I'll hear the the ding and I'll hear the the and uh, I get uh, PTSD. <laughs> Can I just say I Mike, that's those six hours when he was off the grid, it was glorious. <laughs> hey, I, we I, have I, to. We have to get you to the show, Leonard, so you can experience it. Absolutely. I've got an inexpensive place for you to stay. I do have one follow-up question for Mike, if I may. Sure. Um, last year, this is switching gears to ECC. Last year was the first year you guys did um, ECC. How'd it go? Uh, I thought it went really well, and I, I think that there are things that we can do better. Um, you know, I think we... 
it was super close to C2E2, and I think that was really hard on our staff and on our exhibitors and our artists. And, um, you know, we're, we've got a little bit more spacing this year. Um, Emerald City goes back to early March, and C2E2 goes back to late April. Um, but I, I worry that um, in, in our efforts to uh, just do the show and get the show off the ground, um, we overlook things. And I, wa- I worry about Emerald City... Uh, I worry about the experience we put together simply because um, we needed more time with it. I think we needed more time to plan. We needed more time to get it get it to feel right. I think mm-hmm. it, for those of you who have been to a lot of shows, um, each show has its own feel and has its own um, kind of personality, and we need to do more to get those personalities to shine through. And um, I think. Uh, we were all super happy with Emerald City. Exhibitors were happy. Uh, fans were largely happy. But there, I think there's things that we can make better, and uh, that's what we're going to be working on. I look forward. I'm planning on coming next year to ECC, so I look forward to Good. seeing what it's about. Uh, first time in Seattle, so I know that it's a great uh, show. It, it's 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 become one of my favorites. And even before we acquired it or, and started working with those guys, um, we I'd been there two or three times, and I just love the experience that I have there. Um, and so I'm really excited to see what happens there. But the thing, the thing that stands out for all of our shows is that the thing I'm most proud of is just the quality of artist alleys across those three shows. New York has the biggest one. C2E2, in my opinion, has just one of the most community-focused ones. And Emerald City has just such great diversity in, in, in terms of content. And I'm, I'm so happy that those are the, the, the kind of the three things, the, the main things that each of those three shows that really stand out for me. Mike Negan it does an amazing job at it. He he really does deserve a. Sh- I mean, I know he's somewhat one of your your uh, artist alley guys, and he does he does a great job at all the artist alleys. Yeah, he's good, and he's he's been doing that for. God, this is maybe five years now, and he's just so good. And uh, two of the people that came over with Emerald City, uh, Mike Miller and Jim Dimonakis, who used who founded Emerald City, uh, both of their passions lie in artist alley too. So. The three of them have turned into this kind of amazing three-headed artist alley monster that uh, uh, is continuing to do great things. And uh, I've said it before, but as soon as Special Edition comes back, I can't wait to see those guys work with that show. Are you looking at New York for SC? Uh, nope. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't think I don't know that it comes back to New York. Um, I think that um, that I think New York Comic Con satisfies a lot of people for Artist Alley. And it'd be different if Artist Alley wasn't in its own building in New York Comic Con. Um, but I feel like people can love Artist Alley. And I think there is an amazing Artist Alley in New York uh, in New York Comic Con. So people can just go into that building and spend four days in that hall. And a lot of people do that. Um, so I don't know that it needs it. Um, we've identified a few other cities. And um, we, uh, I'm not going to say we're, we're close to anything, but um, I'm excited about a couple opportunities. Okay. Cool. Just a couple of literally last-minute uh, questions, which I'm going to throw at you from the Q&A, and then we'll let you get off and enjoy the rest <laughs> of the uh, Sunday. Although I see Michael's kind of, uh, Mike's pouncing, he wants to ask another one. Well, I, I was, because, well, speaking of other shows, you added the book con as part of, you know, the New York Comic Con show as uh, kind of like, because I know the book con came out of the BEA show, which is a show also run kind of by Reed, Ex- Reed Expo, and then you turn that into like a 
open day for, you know, fans in the past. But then BEA went to Chicago, so that's when, you know, BookCon followed it. But now you've added BookCon back to New York. So Yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, I mean, there's always, if you've paid attention to New York Comic Con, there's always been a great traditional publishing presence there. All of the main publishers participate in booth space. They do great panels. They bring in authors. This is a way for us to really centralize that content, move it to a different venue, because if somebody is really passionate about um, books and, and anything literary, like they can go and hang out in that building all day if they want. What that then allows us to do is for the 15 panels that we've taken out of Javits Center and moved to Hudson Mercantile, that's 15 new panels that we could do. That They could be fan-submitted panels. They could be new publishers. They could be whatever we want. So, um, you know, moving that, uh, putting a banner over that content and moving it um, is really attractive for us because that helps us spread around the city. And if I told you that, hey, Random House, Penguin Random House is doing their panels over there, you know, is, are people going to leave the building for that? But if I say, hey, every publishing panel, all BookCon, all author signings, our bookstore, if all that stuff's going to a different venue called Book, and we call it BookCon, like I think people are more apt to go somewhere for that. And, uh, yeah, BookCon and BEA were in Chicago this year. Book, uh, BookCon and BEA went very well coming back to New York, but this allows us to keep the kind of the brand um, at New York and New York Comic Con. Excellent. You should be on our marketing team. You're, you're picking up the good stuff with BookCon. <laughs> okay, let's do these um, quick-fire questions then. i uh, got a couple from Sarita P., uh, thank you very much indeed for watching, Sarita. Um, she was asking, are you willing to take away VIP away from other con? I think we covered that. It was more about New York Comic Con and allocating more space and uh, resources when it comes to a v- VIP. You're going to be making the decisions uh, on a con-by-con basis, I, I think I gathered. Is that right? No, that's accurate. Yeah, Okay. Right, so that was that. And the other questions were, um, will you be having dedicated Wi-Fi? Uh, it depends. Um, in all likelihood, yeah. I mean, the the Wi-Fi is uh, for us to do it is very expensive, so we largely are requiring a sponsor. Um, but I'm confident that a sponsor will jump on. Yeah. Excellent. And um, another question, just to wrap things up on the Q and A, is uh, will Artist Alley be in the same place since they uh, uh, done their renovation at the Javits? Um, yeah, it'll be in the same place uh, for 2016. The Javits uh, has been talking a lot about um, uh, an addition, uh, you know, adding some space to Javits, and so we'll see what that does to our entire layout, um, you know, going forward. Um, from 2010 to, I think, 2013 or maybe 2012, there was pretty significant construction every year at Javits, which meant that we never had a consistent floor plan uh, you know, the, the Crystal Palace, that, that main lobby was, was always affected. So we're used to construction. Uh, we prefer not to deal with it. But if that means later on that, um, you know, New York Comic Con can sell more tickets and sell more exhibits and have more panel room space, then that's, that's great. But it means we might have to deal with one or two years of change. Okay. Excellent stuff. Well, I think we've gotten a lot of information there, including, uh, that we will be seeing some updates on the forum in the next couple of days. Do head to friendsofcc.com. Uh, I'm certain that Alyssa will put everything in the, where it needs to go and where you'll be able to find out some information there. And um, within weeks, you're going to be hearing about uh, ticket sales uh, for New York Comic Con. And do you have a, 
Do you have a timetable for the video, just so people have an idea of um, uh, uh, the kind of idea of how the, the sale's going to go? Uh, I don't. Um, I will. Uh, I will. I will get some some info on that. I, you know, the video might not happen. I think when you, I, I just finished reading this detailed document, and you know, there's always a problem with people who don't read. But um, there's a there's a whole detailed document um, that that kind of does the do's and don'ts, um, and uh, hopefully that people will read and will understand. But uh, we've got our whole team ready to go on. Uh, Facebook messages and incoming emails and uh, answering any question that people might have. Well, I'm certain Alyssa has a couple of people who would be willing to go over that document just to see <laughs> and to help you out with any kind of proofreading uh, to kind of make sure it's as clear as it can possibly get. But the entire the entire thing would be redacted, so it would do no use. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Mike, thank you very much indeed for joining us, and um, hopefully we'll get to speak to you a little bit closer to. Uh, New York Comic Con 2016. Yeah, let's do this in uh, August or September. That'll be fun. That sounds like fun. that sounds like fun. Brilliant. Love it. Take care. We'll see you soon. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Nice Bye to guys. see you. Nice to Bye. see you guys too. Bye. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Uh, so there you go. That was uh, Mike Armstrong from Repop. Um, like I say, he will be um, sending Alyssa and the forum a whole bunch of information. So do keep an eye on friendsofcc.com uh, for future updates. But uh, as we learned there. There's things that are afoot for New York Comic Con, and certainly for the, 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 the badge or the ticket buying process, it does sound like there's um, some things that you need to kind of get your head around. Um, I'm hoping it's not going to be like a 20-page PDF you have to work your way through, but it does sound like there's things that you have to do to make sure that you get the badge that you want. So, uh, excellent. So thanks to, to Mike for joining us for that. I- I thought it was very interesting that Mike didn't um, wasn't able to answer the the question with regards to whether or not the person who logs in has to buy uh, for themselves. Because what happens? I mean, what happens if you log into the system and somebody has already bought your ticket? That's going to create a, a a problem and will possibly void one of those spots that you could have bought for your six other friends like Mike has. <laughs> yeah. the, the, well, the, well I, I think given that, I mean, I'm speculating, obviously, Mike's the, my, the other Mike is the one who knows everything. Um, I, I'm speculating that maybe there, you may not be having to specify who buys, who's buying what ticket as you're buying it. Because he did, you know, it's been mentioned a few times, you know, you have a couple days. I've heard, I've seen some messaging, you know, like almost up to two weeks possibly to assign a ticket. So I'm hopeful that, you know, it's possible that they understand the craziness of buying a badge at that very moment. So it's kind of like, buy your badges, we understand the issue, and then, you know, settle up afterwards. So if if there is, say, we'll just call it a two-week period. So if there is a two-week period and refunds are made, um, say you bought an extra one that you don't need and that gets refunded to you, um, that would mean that, they're, that they would have extra tickets at the end of that two-week period. I, I mean, it's possible, you know. I, I mean, yeah. I, 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 I think that there's... I think that the way this sale is going to work is that there's not going to be a lot of extra tickets, and 
You know, you also have people who are going to get glitched out. I mean, it happens everywhere. You know, you get the white screen or your, your frozen screen, you know, so you have to have people taken care of in that regard also. Makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. Right, uh, let's go through a couple of uh, very quick headlines. Um, we are going to be, well, I'll tell you what, we'll do this first. Let's just get this out of the way first. Um, Right, what we do uh, in terms of myself and, well, Alyssa doesn't know about this either, so she knows the general <laughs> idea, but she doesn't know what we're going to do. Right, on a Monday, or the Monday after San Diego Comic Con, which this year will be, uh, is for my diary, 25th, 25th of uh, July, um, we do a recap show, and for the last couple of years we've been taking up space at the um, Hilton Bayfront and um, having a great time just sitting there, and we call it a bottle of water uh, with an Englishman in San Diego, purely because I'm mostly hungover, um, and I do need to kind of get still, my electrolytes back. I'm still drunk. <laughs> oh, I said that out loud. Sorry. <laughs> That's a terrible, slanderous thing to say. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're absolutely right. I apologize. Right. However, um, what we have had is someone approach us uh, as, for a venue for this year. And it's actually very, very nice. This is the, the Motor Yacht Pegasus that you will find in Bayfront. Last year, you may have seen it um, with the uh, Disney Infinity banners um, in the on the outside of it. It's a very, very nice motor yacht that's down by the Bayfront, and um, they have offered us uh, a space there on the Monday to uh, basically take up residence for a couple of hours and do the uh, show. So between 12 and 1, you will be able to watch a recap show, maybe a little bit later, 12, half past, uh, half past 1, something like that. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun um, in a nice VIP section session. It's going to, I think it's going to be rather fun. You can join us, okay? It's going to be for a VIP reception, so it's from 11 o'clock in the morning. Uh, it's going to have a drinks reception. It's going to have uh, volivants and lots of nibbles and bits and pieces to welcome you along as a VIP. Alyssa's face is going very pale. Um, <laughs> but... It's um, it's going to be a lot of fun and in this very nice uh, location for our wrap-up show. And we've got spaces for 10 people to come and join us, okay? The thing is, you have these conditions. You have to be in San Diego, which means you have to be stopping around for another day or so. Uh, or you can, if you're heading off in the evening, you can come along and this will be a nice little cap to your uh, Comic-Con week, okay? It's first come first served. And I think the way that we're going to do this, it's going to have to be by email. Using the message line, I'm on a boat. We need the first 10 people if you want to join us for this. A rather special event, considering that uh, the boat is also going to be uh, hosting a number of VIPs on board who may still be kicking around. Uh, so uh, you may be bumping into some rather uh, VIP people who are staying on the boat, uh, on the boat, on the yacht. Um, but it's the first come, first served to the um, to my email address, which is leonardsultana at anenglishmaninsandiego.com. That's how you spell my name. It's at the bottom of the screen, L-E-O-N-A-R-D, 
S-U-L-T-A-N-A. But you've got to use the message line, I'm on a boat. The first ten people can come and join us. Now here's the other thing. It is unfortunately a ticketed event, which means it's $50. Okay, which may sound, I don't know, I think it sounds pretty reasonable for the, uh, the location we're going at, considering it is a very nice drinks reception, champagne drinks reception, and all you, you will be treated like a VIP for a couple of hours on a yacht. And you can also join us for the wrap-up show. If you'd like to take part, um, if you want to uh, join us on the yacht, Leonard Sultana at anenglishmaninsandiego.com and the message line has to be, I'm on a boat. Okay? First ten people, I will uh, be messaging back and uh, we will uh, be inviting you onto our VIP yacht, which is very nice. So there we go. Does that sound fair? That sounds wonderful, Leonard. Excellent. I look forward to meeting everybody. <laughs> the only thing that I have been told is you have to wear shoes. Okay, but this is not a this is not a board short kind of board shirt board short kind of place. All right. But anyway, but um, looking forward to uh, doing the show. I think it's going to be fun. So there we go. Leonard Sultana at an Englishman in San Diego dot com. I'm on a boat in the message line. We'll get back to you and we'll start arranging. Uh, the first ten people to join us on the Hangout. So that's number one. Uh, number two, just a quick one on my uh, on my own thing. Yes, I have had my panel confirmed. Um, I'm not going to announce on the Hangout here, but if you do head to anenglishmaninsandiego.com, I do have put a post up about the British invasion, Spirit of 86. Um, it is uh, a panel about the influence of the British creatives that were brought over... Uh, in the late 70s, early 1980s, uh, and made an immeasurable influence on the American comic uh, market to this day. In 1986, we, are, we saw the release of Watchmen. This is the 30th anniversary of that release, and I think it's a perfect year to celebrate the British invasion of um, creatives coming over to the worldwide market, especially American comics. So that's my panel. Do head to anenglishmaninsandiego.com for more. Right, has there been any news over the last seven days, Alyssa and Mike, that's kind of jumped up and uh, caught your attention? Uh, certainly, like the the, the Conan uh, raps over the the over the shuttles, it's caught my attention. I haven't, to be honest with everybody, I haven't been um, around for the past three days. I've had an, a real life issue, so I don't know. Um, I. I've been watching some television, so I can speak to a week in TV. Um, I know that uh, we get the uh, – uh, just been doing the, the lanyards and the forum stuff. Okay. Well, I mean, just to uh, for those who haven't spotted it, uh, there has been uh, one or two uh, uh, posts, which I think I'll retweet as well, showcasing the new wraps that are now on the trains running through uh, San Diego, which are – of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and also of Conan, who is going to be returning to San Diego this year. There was also the four pops that were um, uh, announced this week, which are going to be available at uh, the live show, with Conan appearing as a Ghostbuster. Um, I believe... Superman. Go on, what was that? Sorry. Superman. Uh, go on. 
He's a Superman in one. Superman. Okay. Um, but I don't know the other two. Okay. The reason why I'm not fully au fait with the details is because oh. I'm not going to be going for Conan at all. It was a bit of a bloodbath last year, and it really took... It, those people who went for Conan, they were taken away from the rest of the con. It really did take up your day. So... Yep. The mailings, the badge mailings, um, that's been the big, you know, the big thing that a lot of my friends have been talking about, uh, just organizing. Uh, a lot of us bought for other people. <laughs> As Mike puts his forward, a lot of us bought for other people, so trying to track down, oh, yeah, okay, let's see. And figuring out, for me personally, the, the difficult thing has been figuring out um, uh, if I... If I bought like a Thursday Sunday badge for somebody in pre-reg and they were able to get a, a Friday Saturday that they were combined and shipped to them and that it didn't uh, that I wasn't supposed to get a badge so working through those logistics I know has been a little bit of a, a tricky thing I think um, that people are we're getting towards the end of when people should have been receiving their badges uh, given that us east coasters are are getting them i think i got mine on saturday and so um any updates on the international people in terms uh, of looks like um it's going to be um uh your badge collection is going to be in the new updated um uh marriott marquis Mm -hmm. and uh, then moving across the sales to pick up the the rest of the, your bits and pieces. But uh, as when it comes to the internationals, we've heard nothing yet. So uh, I think it's just going to be a case of we're just going to get our emails uh, in much the, the say that uh, most people have had in the past. So there we go. I, I noticed that all the letters came from North Carolina. So it actually makes sense that East Coast people might be getting them before a little before West Coast. If that's the case, you know, or if some West Coast people haven't quite gotten anything yet. I, I um, have heard of a couple of instances where things were, um, uh, where there may be some, uh, how, how shall I say, envelope stuffing issues. <laughs> so if if something, you know, if something is wrong, I'm, I'm, I'm trying... I encourage people to uh, contact CCI. Yeah. I've also heard that, like, if you had individual days and you didn't get, like, one day, that actually if you look at the sheets, they, they put the sheets in the, in the back part multiple mm -hmm. days there. That That's another tip that I've been hearing. The, the, other, the other news that I can uh, uh, sort of like keep passing on, uh, the SDCC blog has just reminded people, on social media, and it is a very good point as well that uh, this is the last chance tonight to get on the uh, Mattel's pre-sale. The inventory, still some in inventory, still left to pick up, um, but uh, it does end tonight. So if you are going to get those final bits and pieces of Mattel, now uh, today's the, the, the day to do it. Um, I would also uh, announce or oh, uh, say that um, Carrie Hen from uh, the film Aliens, uh, considering that we are celebrating an Aliens anniversary this year. Uh, she has announced that she's going to be getting her own table both Friday and Saturday. Uh, she has said that she's not sure of all the details, but uh, she will be on Friday uh, from 2.30 till 7, Saturday 10 while 2.30. So if you are an Aliens fan, that's someone to uh, to uh, catch up with on the in the uh, autograph 
uh, area, which means that details are starting to roll out to autograph uh, sellers or to the autograph booths. They are starting to roll those out to people. So uh, do pay attention. Those are going to start going out. Right, Alyssa, Week in, week in TV. The Olympic tryouts. Shark Week. Game of Thrones tonight. Yes, 69 minutes of... <laughs> yes, and I can't watch it. I'm, I'm, uh, it's, I'm, I'm doing a family thing tonight, so I'm like, uh, I don't think I'm going to get to watch it until Wednesday, so I'm going to be avoiding social media for spoilers. Um, the other thing that's happening is um, Dark Matter and Killjoys are coming back on July 1st. So make sure your DVRs are set up for that. Um, I'm just going to do a shout out for some ongoing series of uh, Preacher, 12 Monkeys, Brain Dead, hilarious sci-fi political Washington thing, Clever Man Turn... That's your week in TV. Okay. Um, I think, uh, what else? Just uh, one last thing as well that I wanted to announce, or say on behalf of uh, everyone here on the, the Hangouts, one of the uh, quintessential keys to uh, San Diego Comic-Con uh, is Mr. Eddie Ibrahim. He's the director of programming. Um, he's the guy that kind of has given me my panel, so I'm very happy uh, to... Uh, uh, say hello to Eddie, but as it happens, it's Eddie Ibrahim's birthday today. So from all of us on Cup of Tea SDCC, happy birthday, Mr. Eddie Ibrahim. Um, and uh, I can imagine at this point he is currently looking over a lot of pin boards and trying to make sh put everyone in the right rooms and get everything together for this year's convention. So um, we'll interrupt him for a couple of minutes just to say, Mr. Ibrahim, a happy birthday to you, sir. Um, <laughs> I, I heard he was considering Game of Thrones in a very small room this year. Game of, Game of Thrones moving out of Hall H. <laughs> well, he's, he, I know that he's thinking about moving my panel in there, so I don't know how that's going to work at the phone table. So. Depends how many people are interested in my panel. It may have to move it into the bigger room, man. But, I agree. So there we go. Right, um, I think that's pretty much us. Uh, thank you very much indeed for joining us uh, for today's show. We can announce what's going to be happening in the next couple of weeks when it comes to the panels, um, oh, sorry, the, uh, the, the Hangouts. Next week, we are going to be doing um, off-site special uh, because we are going to be joined by a couple of uh, uh, special guests. Uh, do go to anenglishmaninsandiego.com for more information about next week's panel, but there is going to be a section on off-site. Also, we may be featuring a very special guest on that show. Either that, or we're going to be giving him an, a special episode all on his own. We are going to be joined by Mr. David Glanzer between now and San Diego Comic-Con, which means we'll be getting from the horse's mouth all the bits and pieces that we can uh, talk about when it comes to San Diego Comic-Con 2016. Eddie Ibrahim, it's, sorry, Eddie Ibrahim, what am I about? David Glanzer is the voice. I'm celebrating birthday boys. That's what it is. David Glanzer is absolutely the voice of San Diego Comic-Con, and he will be joining us on a special episode of Cup of Tea SDCC, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Looking forward to that. And then uh, we're talking the Sunday after, which is on the 10th, we will be going over the schedules for San Diego Comic-Con 2016. Now, the, the schedules do come out um, 
the, co the corresponding day to two weeks later. So the uh, Thursday of the convention will be coming out on Thursday the 7th. Uh, the Friday of the convention comes out uh, Friday the 8th and so on. Which means when we go out live each and every year, the Sunday schedules usually come out. So we'll be doing a bit of a uh, clash of collating all the information <laughs> of the convention and then also uh, looking over the Sunday schedule pretty much as it goes out live. That happens on the 10th. And then on the 17th, uh, we'll be doing a live outside broadcast from uh, Star Wars Celebration. And then there's this little thing happening in San Diego. And hopefully you'll be joining us for that. Thank you very much indeed for uh, joining us today. Uh, once again, do check anenglishmaninsandiego.com for more information about all the Cup of Tea episodes coming up. But next week, we'll be talking off-site. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Alyssa, uh, uh, where can people find you online? Friendsofcc.com forward slash forum and at my Twitter handle, which is at friendsofcci. Excellent. And where can people find you, Mike? Uh, Twitter at MLLNY, um, same forum name at Friends of CCI and at High Def Ninja. Um, and if I could give one quick shout out, one Go quick shout out at the end. Go for at, it. I, I was truly amazed because I, I didn't actually realize that our annoying SDCC fit tweets actually work until I saw a photo posted by Corgi Commander like two or three days ago where just in the three months, if you've seen his change. So I'm surprised and I'm glad that our my annoying and everyone else's annoying tweets actually do pay off. So Well, yeah. it's not over yet. So yes, do <laughs> check out the STCC Fit hashtag and jump on board. Uh, do more walking. Uh, get yourself really prepared for um, at your convention. For example, and, and I know Alyssa has said this as well, um, that it isn't just for your convention, it's also just to make you feel so much better. Not to survive it, but to enjoy it better. That's the whole idea. So that's what it's all about. Excellent stuff. You can find me on uh, Twitter, Englishman SDCC. You can find me on Google Plus at slash plus symbol and Englishman in San Diego.com. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Once again, that email address, Leonard Sultana at anenglishmaninsandiego.com, and the message line is, I'm on a boat. We would love for you to come and join us for the recap show on the Monday after San Diego Comic Con. Do take care, enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and from all of us, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.